Hello and welcome back to the Elevate Music podcast, supporting musicians' health and well-being in partnership with Help Musicians. As ever, I'm Lucy Heyman, and in this episode, we'll be looking at some of the physical health issues musicians can develop from playing instruments. As someone who had to stop playing due to a musculoskeletal issue in my hands, this episode is a particularly meaningful one for me. Later on, physiotherapist and researcher Celeste Russo tells me about some of the general musculoskeletal problems that musicians can develop and how to prevent them. But first, Ruth Davies plays the oboe with the Liverpool Philharmonic and has been experiencing pain from playing ever since her days at music college, which incidentally is where I too develop problems. Ruth tells me about the difficulties she's faced throughout her career, along with the exceptional support that the LPO provides for their players, which has made a huge difference to Ruth and her colleagues. Let's hear Ruth's story. When I was at school, I just did a what I considered was a, a fairly normal amount of playing. I had a lesson once a week, once a fortnight. I wasn't the world's greatest practicer, so I did the thing about probably didn't practice regularly and then crammed it in before I lesson a little bit. But, it, you know, it did me fine. I had I was in the youth orchestra and then I went to music college and that's when my physical sort of playing problems started because I went from just playing for an hour every day or every other day to well, it was just a massive shock to my system physically. You know, I was put in to a chamber orchestra and I was put into a wind band and then I had lessons and we had classes. And with the three hour sessions, you know, sometimes I'd have, you know, six hours playing a day. And then sometimes, you know, you'd do six hours playing and then you'd have a class in the evening. The first thing that happened to me was that my hands felt really tight and sore and I couldn't clench my fists properly. So I was diagnosed with, I think they call it tenosynovitis. But the treatment back in those days was basically you went to the doctor and they gave you anti-inflammatories and painkillers. And then if you went back to the doctor again, you'd get referred for some ultrasound type thing. And that was it, really. I resigned myself to taking painkillers, always at the interval of a concert, sometimes beforehand to get through it. There was no, I mean, my teacher was actually, you know, he was, he'd been playing in orchestras for, for many, many years. He was quite elderly when he taught me, but he never once said anything about pain or pain management or pain prevention, actually. Nobody really talked about it. It was just part of the gig. You played a lot and you were in pain and it was accepted as, you know, that's what goes with, with the territory, really. And was that something that was normal within your group of friends? Definitely. I had a friend who was a viola player. He had allegedly a a longer neck and then he had all the problems because he was gripping with his shoulders that caused all kinds of neck pain for him. Um, Most people played with some kind of wrist support or elbow support. Oboists were playing with slings just to take the pressure off a little bit off the weight. People were adjusting their instruments slightly so that, you know, maybe if I move that thumb rest up half an inch, that'll stop my hand cramping. Most of the wind players that I was friends with had some kind of pain. The string players seemed to be a bit more 
on it. They seem to have more to fall back on. I, I seem to remember they knew about Alexander Technique, which I'd never heard of. And the singers were, they really knew about Alexander Technique and, and sort of posture and all that kind of thing. But for us, it was part of the course, definitely. So what support was available for you within the college? Well, I think you signed up for Alexander Technique and you got a couple of sessions and then I think you might have had to go privately. I don't remember any specialist Mm. thing at all. I remember there was one oboe teacher. He wasn't my teacher, but he encourages students to play with no shoes on when they're practicing and to stand up tall and all that kind of thing. And he was considered quite, that was quite a quacky you know, thing to do. And I'm not actually not sure how helpful that would be for um, an orchestral musician, because obviously we don't play standing up, we play sitting down. But I remember he was considered, you know, quite advanced for that kind of thinking. And I wasn't offered anything except for slings and painkillers. And that was it, really. And so how did the issues develop as your career progressed? Well, they didn't get any better. So the tenosynovitis ended up as tendonitis. I was in pain you know, apart from stiff necks, which sounds a bit not very serious, that that then went into, I think they call it your C7, it's 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 bone in your neck, which mm-hmm. then started to pinch on the nerves coming down my left arm. So then I had numb fingers. That's when things got really bad because I couldn't even pick my oboe up without being in pain to play, you know, a tennis elbow in one arm numb fingers in the other and of course you know that sort of makes you very stressed as well then because you're not able to concentrate on your playing you're just thinking about getting through and am I actually covering that hole on my oboe because I can't actually feel where my finger is that was possibly yeah the worst point of it all really what was that like psychologically like not being able to do what you've always been able to do due to no fault of your own it's devastating really because the only thing I can do is play the oboe you worry about it and then you don't sleep because you're turning all this over in your head and you can't sleep anyway because you can't get comfortable and you don't know whether to have two pillows or one or to sit up or to lie on your left then you start taking stronger and stronger anti-inflammatories which then makes you feel ill so then you have to take something else You don't want to take any time off work. That's the other thing because, well, if you're a freelancer, obviously, if you take time off work, then you don't get paid. And as a salaried orchestral musician like I am, you don't want to take time off work because personally and a lot of my colleagues don't want to feel like they're letting their team down, you know, the wind section, Mm -hmm. the oboe section. And also you don't want to come across as a bit of a complaining sort of fragile person. You know, there's this real thing in the music world isn't there if the show must go on and I'm going to push through and I'm going to I'll, I've got a day off in 10 days time and I'll sort it out then you know and obviously that's not a, a sustainable situation to be in and then more and more we're doing recordings or they record rehearsals as well as concerts or you know if your principal conductors in you have the stress of that on top because you don't want anyone to see your vulnerabilities as a musician you don't want to share anything like this so it becomes an all-consuming state of mind, really. Are these kind of physical issues something that you see a lot in the musicians you work with now? Yes and no. Obviously, I'm at the older end of the age membership of the orchestra. A lot of the younger ones are much more clued up 
I get the impression that the music colleges are much more on it now. Right from day one, it's more about prevention. In the Liverpool Phil, you can see people doing warm-ups and stretches before they play now, which I'd never seen before. I, I always thought that was a little bit strange, but I, I, understand, <laughs> I understand it now. I mean, we're all human, aren't we? We all have to sit on chairs for a very, very long time without moving in, a, in an almost distressed position, holding instruments that are not natural to hold and weights in a funny way. But definitely we talk about it a lot more. And then, of course, the more you talk about it, the more you realise, oh, someone else is in that situation and this is how they handled it and they're seeing so-and-so. And suddenly it's a lot more open and therefore a lot less scary and, and a lot less stressful. And... I would say that, yes, people get injured, especially, you know, when you're on tour or you're doing long coach journeys, which which is a thing of the past at the moment, you know, but if you're sitting on a flight for hours and hours and hours and you can't get comfortable, you know, so you do get aches, everyone would get aches and pains from that. But it's it's about stopping them becoming embedded in your sort of muscular situation and more about, you know, these are niggles that I can iron out, you know, mm. and they will go and not be, become too chronic. So the Liverpool Philharmonic have been doing some amazing work with the support they provide for their players. Can you tell me a bit about it? I've always loved being in the Liverpool Phil. It's the orchestra I grew up with. I'm a local girl, but we really are the envy of a lot of my friends in other orchestras. It's made a huge difference to me personally. What they started doing was we started getting a sort of a deep sports massage before concerts we've got this fantastic massage girl called Zoe and you know you sign up before a concert and you're able to have a very deep massage not for very long I think the slots are 15 minutes but it just gives you that movement and, and lets out any tightness especially around your shoulders for me and your back you can be referred to the physiotherapist at uh, Liverpool Physio and what they started doing well obviously they would deal with your particular problems and aches and pains but then the physio there instigated a sort of screening a set of exercises that he would put you through and sort of grade your grade you on how well you did these exercises and then work out where your weak spots were so not surprisingly for me I had weak core strength which showed up and then he would give you exercises to strengthen that area of weakness because obviously if your core muscles are weak your sort of helper muscles then help out and keep you going and keep you going until it all goes wrong. So yes, I've I've used both of those a lot. They give you what little stretchy bands for you to do. And also another big one that the Phil's done is to take the sports massage girl Zoe. She's been on tour with us a few times, which has just been fantastic, you know, after a long flight. She keeps us going, you know, when you've done hours and hours on coaches and stuff and then you get off to off a coach and you play you know she's she's been great yeah and we have medicash now which i love because there's a sort of holistic approach to that so you could obviously you could have reflexology and you can keep your feet in tip-top condition with chiropody you know they just make you feel better about yourself you don't worry about niggles so much you can just go and see someone you can have Indian head massage and things like that on Medicash. So they're treating the person as a whole rather than just your tendonitis or whatever the problem is. And so where are you at now in terms of how much pain you experience when you play? 
That's a very good question because I haven't done an awful lot of playing recently. For the last few years, when I've been since I've been having the physio regularly, whenever I've needed to, and the sports massage, it's made a huge difference. I started playing on uh, sitting on a Pilates cushion, which made a huge difference because it's sort of flexible rather than a hard chair. So mm-hmm. I already had that in place. And then when lockdown happened, I decided this was my chance to actually try and get on top of getting the right muscles working in the right way. So I started doing some, it's just YouTube videos, actually. I I try and do one every day. They're not particularly long. They're about 20 minutes, but they, they work on balance and stretching and body strength and core strength. And so I've been doing that for since about last June and it's made an absolutely massive difference to the way I sit because it needs to feel normal. It needs to feel natural. You don't, when people say sit up straight, you know, you, you sort of, I look weird when, when someone says sit up straight, I, because it, it felt so unnatural. I didn't even know what sitting up straight was because I didn't have the muscles, I don't think, to enable me to do it properly. But I've been doing these and um, it's made a big difference when I have been at work. I mean, I have been playing over the lockdown, obviously, and I've been doing some practice and I did some messing about with friends and that kind of thing via Zoom. When I have been back at work, I have not had any of the pains in my arms or shoulders that I previously had. The problem with aches and pains and things like that is it takes time. It takes a long time, doesn't it, to build up the right muscles. Mm. And having that time, it can be a real luxury. But now that I've seen the results, I will definitely stick at it. I haven't taken any painkillers while I've been at work at all. So much of the onus is on me to make myself work better and more balanced. And, you know, that does take quite a lot of effort and motivation but I am seeing the results now you know and before I went back to work on the first day a couple of weeks ago I did book myself in for a deep sports massage and it just keeps everything ticking over now. That was Ruth Davies and if you want to listen to Ruth in action check out some of the on-demand shows that the LPO are offering online at liverpoolphil.com. I found it really interesting to hear Ruth saying how little support she had in those days for issues like these. That was definitely my experience. Anti-inflammatories, ultrasound and playing through it were the only options. I'm just so glad that we now have organisations like the British Association of Performing Arts Medicine. So if you're listening and you're experiencing problems, there is help available. Get in touch with BAPAM at bapam.org.uk. They'll offer you a free healthcare assessment as well as access to webinars on all of these topics and resource sheets on how to self-manage problems too. We'd like to thank Help Musicians for their support in bringing you this episode. They're an independent charity that has been supporting musicians for 100 years. Through an integrated programme of health and welfare, creative funding opportunities and business support, the charity offers a lifetime of support when it's needed most. For more information on Help Musicians or to find out how to access support, visit helpmusicians.org.uk. Celeste Rousseau is a physiotherapist and researcher who works closely with the musicians of the LPO. I spoke to Celeste to find out more about the work she does and how musicians can prevent pain when they're playing. So Celeste, first of all, can you tell me a bit about the work that you do? 
I'm a brain physiotherapist specializing in medicines pathologies. Since September 2018, I have begun a PhD program focusing on prevention of musculoskeletal disorders in orchestra medicines. This is much funded by my university, so Liverpool John Moore University and Health Medicines UK as well. And we are leading this with the Royal Liverpool Philharmonic Orchestra. So what are the common issues that you see in the orchestra? We see often musculoskeletal pain and disorders. They are the most commonly issues reported by medicians. These health issues are mainly affecting upper limbs and spine, but there are also various problems related to the lips and face, and specifically with woodwind and brass music instruments. The hands are also great problems locations, specifically when you're a string players, like the violinist and the violist are very affected. Every musician that really have some repetitive movements with the, his hands could be affected by different diseases around the hands. And so how do you support musicians with these issues? It depends mainly on the medical history of the issue and the mechanism of the injury. For some of them, sorry, the musculoskeletal disorders are directly related to postural or technical issues. But it could also be a kind of motor control problem because we know for a long time, actually, that our brain is really activating our muscles. And sometimes the problem is not from the muscles, but from the brain trying to send messages to the muscles. So for them, specific exercises could be prescribed. Posture can be corrected as well. And we also know that persistent pain is strongly related with anxiety, stress, depression, or wrong beliefs about pain, rather than with the body issues. So that is why we should definitely place emphasis on psychological interventions as well as physical interventions for the body. Ruth described how the problems for her first started in music college. Is this something that you see? Actually, Ruth is is really right to speak about this because it's it's a very important issue. At the music college, students are working as they never will when they will become professionals. Their daily life is very busy. They practice the instrument for hours. And as they are very young, they are still discovering their body, their posture, their technique. So it could take years for a musician to adopt his or her ideal posture to play his or her instrument. And also we can see that teachers are not all the time aware of playing related musculoskeletal disorders if they have never experienced them themselves before or have any knowledge about them and how to prevent them. So sometimes students do not know where seek help, actually. I think there was a study done a while ago looking at the first place that musicians at music college go when they have a physical health issue. Where do they seek help? And I think in this study, it was the instrumental teachers that were the first port of call. And as you say, so many instrumental teachers may not have actually had a physical issue themselves. What kind of support would you like to see in music colleges to help musicians, to support musicians with musculoskeletal issues, but also to prevent the issues from happening? You're very right. Actually, uh, it's true that students go first to their teachers. And I have done for my 
physiotherapy thesis, a kind of little study about jazz musicians at the Conservatoire National of Music from Paris. And that was the main issue for them, where to seek help. And I think that music colleges could offer different services to their students. They could organize kind of workshops and informational training programs about playing related musculoskeletal disorders, but also about their risk factors and prevention. And they could also organize physical activity sessions for musicians because we know that physical activity is really one of the main things to do to prevent musculoskeletal disorders. And maybe as part of a health and well-being program, they could be able to provide contact details of specialized physiotherapists or much better to arrange physiotherapist consultations on site. But I think that the most important thing is just to raise awareness about musculoskeletal injuries and also to discuss them with the students and to discuss all the issues that could happen and openly to tackle really the problem in the music and uh, school environment and also to uh, reduce the impact of the no pain, no gain belief and the culture of silence as well. So can you tell me a bit about the research that you're doing? Have there been any findings that have surprised you so far? Yeah, I've been working on to understand better risk factors that could lead musicians to develop injuries based on the information in, in the literature and from both health experts and musicians' opinions. We have built a kind of large model taking into account all of these risk factors. And this comprehensive model now includes nine main categories of risk factors, such as biomechanics or injury management or the environment you're playing in. And we have found that a lot of risk factors could influence physical health much more than we think. So um, that was very important work for me at the very beginning of my PhD. I have also worked on pain beliefs, as I said a bit before. So we know that beliefs could partially explain pain in people and it could also explain why people develop persistent pain after both mild or severe injuries. And as in the general population, we observe that musicians with pain have misconceptions about what exactly is pain and how our body and brain functions uh, could influence it. So it's very interesting to see that. And maybe we could train musicians to know more about pain to reduce injuries as well. So do you have any advice for anyone listening who's returning to work and doesn't want to have any kind of injuries from that increase in playing? Yeah, I have some tips. You could practice a regular physical activity. It's one of my main tips, actually. And also breaks are very important. When you're going back to work and playing for hours, you need to be prepared to play this long duration. So you need to progressively take breaks but play more and more and this needs like six or seven weeks sometimes because you need to be back at work and play sometimes for two two hours without large breaks so really need to have a kind of practice calendar and take breaks. And so we've spoken about what people can do following the pandemic to prevent injury. What can people listening do to prevent musculoskeletal issues from happening generally? If I had only three tips, three main tips, I would say be informed. So you are aware of the risk and prevention possibilities. Take more breaks again while practicing and have a regular physical activity because it's the best way to prevent musculoskeletal disorders from happening. You could walk 
but you need to walk for 30 minutes a day. So the best thing is really to mix moderate and high intensity physical activity all together to really have the best physical activity you could have. That was Celeste Russo. And if you want to read her research, we've put a link to it in the show notes. Do you ever experience pain from playing? And if so, how do you manage it? Send us an email at elevatemusicpod at gmail.com or find us on social media at elevatemusicpod and let us know. Thank you to Ruth and Celeste for speaking to me. You've been listening to the Elevate Music podcast with me, Lucy Heyman. If you want to find out more about how to look after your health and well-being as a musician, Rianne Jones and I have just written a book on this topic. It's called Sound Advice and it's available at soundadvicebook.com where we also have a free online directory of health, well-being and business resources for musicians. So do check those out. This podcast was produced by Elevate Music and Listen Entertainment in partnership with Help Musicians, an independent charity which provides essential and enduring support to make a meaningful difference to the lives of professional musicians. Thank you for listening. We've got lots of information about pain prevention in our episodes show notes, so don't forget to check those out. And in the meantime, take care and we'll be back in a couple of weeks for the next episode.